We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Republican Governor Bruce Rauner and his Democratic challenger J.B. Pritzker had their final televised debate this week, and that unofficially puts us in the home stretch of what has been a remarkably contentious and expensive campaign. The debates and the editorial board meetings have given us some high tension and sometimes high decibel moments. Now it's time for some conversation. This week, we sit down with incumbent Bruce Rauner. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest is Governor Rauner, and we hope to get behind some of the rhetorical clashes and commercial taglines that seem to have dominated this campaign in recent months. We'll let him finish his sentences in this half hour, probably. <laughs> I look forward to that, Craig. Thank you. <laughs> Next week, we plan to let Democrat J.B. Pritzker finish his thoughts as well. Governor Rauner, welcome back. Craig, great to be back with you. Thank you very much. Well, when you and uh, Mr. Pritzker have been in the same place at the same time, the fireworks have been almost instantaneous. Um what do you think voters have really learned from those encounters? Well, we are very, very different uh, people, Craig. You know, I'm self-made. Grandparents lived in a double-wide trailer, worked hard for teachers and law enforcement my entire life. And I'm getting involved purely because I love Illinois, and I was asked to run for governor. This was never my life goal. All I care is that our children and our grandchildren have a better future here. Mr. Pritzker, my opponent, uh, has been trying to buy political office for years. He's been caught on FBI wiretap trying to do it. He inherited billions, has never really had a real job in his life, um, and he's uh, been um, obviously caught on uh, um, the FBI wiretap, but most importantly, he's been accused by a Democrat, not a Republican, a Democrat here in Cook County of engaging in tax fraud and mail fraud and perjury uh, to cheat on his property taxes after for many years working with Mike Madigan, funding the Madigan machine, using, using Madigan's uh, law firm, and keeping his inheritance in offshore bank accounts so he doesn't even pay his proper income taxes. M- Mr. Pritzker really, to me, stands for everything that's wrong in the state of Illinois. This is why it's so emotional for me that someone who so lacks integrity and character is running for governor. Four of my nine predecessors went to prison, Craig, with the corruption and the self-dealing, and it's appalling. It's it's outrageous to me that my opponent is is of that same ilk. He's of the same um, bad character background that's got us into this mess. That's why I'm so upset and so passionate about trying to win here. Well, and and you have said that the that Mr. Prisker's efforts to lower property taxes on uh, on one of his mansions is a central issue in this race. Obviously, he disagrees with that. What makes you feel that voters are seeing the, these things? the way you are and not figuring that, well, this is what wealthy people with tax lawyers do. No. Yeah, Craig. So um, the reality is many people seek to get property tax reassessments because our property tax system is broken and many uh, are overvalued, many homes. I have never, contrary to some accusations, never sought property tax reductions myself, but uh, there's nothing wrong with that. The fundamental difference with what Mr. Pritzker has done is he did not just seek a property tax reassessment. What he 
did was surreptitiously have toilets removed from a multi-million dollar mansion so that he could claim uh, that it was uninhabitable, that, that no one could live in that house, um, and that therefore it was relatively worthless, and uh, he shouldn't have to pay his full property tax on it. That's deceitful. That's dishonest. And a um, um, inspector general for Cook County Assessor's Office, who was appointed by John Stroger, not a Republican, this is a part of the Cook County Democratic apparatus, saw that report in the Sun-Times when it came out a year ago, did his own investigation for months, talked to contractors, um, looked, reviewed emails, and he came to the conclusion that Mr. Pritzker uh, committed a scheme to defraud taxpayers of $330,000 by fraudulently removing the toilets and pretending that the mansion was uninhabitable and claiming as such. And the reason that's so upsetting, it's it's so wrong, is that that is, in effect, stealing $330,000 not only from the um, homeowners and families in Cook County who have to make up the difference of that to fund uh, Chicago schools and human services, but it also steals money from around the state, um, taxpayers in Waukegan and, uh, and out in Aurora and around the state he were stolen from too because when Mr. Pritzker falsely um, claims his property is worthless, uh, the education funding formula kicks in and more money from their property, ta- from their, excuse me, income taxes have to go to make up some of that difference in the school funding formula. So it is a significant theft. Uh, it is unethical. It's deceitful. And it shows, it goes to the character of, of the person and I don't know how in Illinois we can elect another person after we've had so many go to prison, Blagojevich, Ryan, and others, another person who such lacks the integrity and character that we need in elected office in Illinois. Well, of course, Mr. Prisker has been running commercials about you uh, and uh, focused uh, on the administration's handling of the Legionnaires' disease outbreak at the Quincy Veterans Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that was a big topic uh, at the Quincy debate. The latest yes. commercial focuses on the son of a vet who died, who says the family didn't find out quickly enough about what was going on to help doctors who were caring uh, for that veteran. Were mistakes made in informing families aside from whether or not public statements were made? Um, the important thing here, Craig, is that we immediately, immediately the first day, took action to keep the veterans safe and healthy. Immediately, um, we treated any veterans who were beginning to show a temperature or any sign of illness. Immediately, we began to evaluate all the veterans and their health condition. And any veteran who was showing any symptoms whatsoever, their family was immediately notified. Now, we did not put out a broad press release uh, until six days later, and that's being criticized. Fair enough. Um, in retrospect, some people could disagree or disagree with the judgment on that. Uh, the reality is that's um, not uh, unusual practice in Legionella cases because Legionella is not infectious. It's not contagious. It can't spread from person to person. It's not like the flu or the plague or something else. It's waterborne illness. And the focus, according to the national experts at the CDC and elsewhere, is to focus on uh water droplets and exposure to specific water. And what the team there did was immediately shut down fountains, uh, take aerators off of faucets, put uh, filters on shower heads, stop using um, hot uh, water tubs to keep the veterans safe. And those were all the proper protocols. I'll also add, add, Craig, that it's heartbreaking, you know, to have veterans get ill and and some perish. It's a tragedy. I've cried over it. I've met with uh, veterans and families. I've lived there. 
I, I care deeply about veterans. They're our heroes. I've devoted much of my life to trying to support and protect veterans. It's heartbreaking what's occurred. But I'll also say there is no evidence that anyone on the team there did anything criminal or there was any unethical or bad behavior. No evidence whatsoever. And I find it appalling, politically um, motivated, and I think abuse of power for the Attorney General, Lisa Madigan, who was very loyal, obviously, to her father, who um, was funded in her campaign by Mr. Pritzker. For her, 24 hours, just 24 hours after Mr. Pritzker had been accused of criminal fraud by a Democrat here in Chicago, she comes out and says she's going to launch a criminal probe of actions in Quincy when there is no evidence, even after um, many months of testimony and review of emails and documents, no evidence whatsoever of criminal behavior by any team member there in the Quincy Veterans Home or in our administration. Despite that, she says she's launching a criminal probe, what's clearly as a way to try to um, deflect attention from the actual criminal uh, accusations and behavior that Mr. Pritzker's engaged in. Now, in the Quincy debate, um, Mr. Pritzker suggested that it took the administration three years to do anything substantive at Quincy, uh, like moving the patients away or anything like that. And you took offense at that and, and called it a pol- politicization yes. of, of the tragedy. Yes, I think it's terrible. It's insulting to the veterans and his families for him to say that. Action was taken immediately to um, protect the veterans, stop the sources of water, to try to determine the source of the uh, infection. And still, to this day, there's disagreement among the various experts about where the um, source of infection came from. Um, unfortunately, Legionella is a common bacteria. Um, there are 300 cases of Legionella infection occurring around the state of Illinois pretty much every year. It's relatively harmless to young people and healthy people, but it can be. It's, it causes a form of pneumonia, in essence, in elderly people or those with uh, weakened immune systems. Um, some people have uh, said, well, we should have moved the veterans out. You should, as soon as the infection happened, we should have moved everyone. But that's, that's um, come from political people, not from medical experts. We brought the experts in from the CDC, Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, the federal experts. They know more about this than anyone in the U.S. We brought them in. At no time did they recommend moving uh, the veterans. And uh, no medical expert we've talked to has ever said, move the veterans out. The reality is many of the veterans there are in their 80s and 90s. They're very frail. And this is their home. This, the, the staff there is wonderful. They're very loving and very caring. And this is their home. And many um, experts have said, you move a, a senior citizen like that into a strange place, the transportation alone could hurt their health, potentially put their life at risk. Put them into a strange new place, many of them could perish and be disrupted and have their health hurt. No one recommended we move the people. And so when people say, oh, they should have taken the veterans out immediately or done this or that, we we did a thoughtful review of everything that we could possibly do and took the action that was deemed appropriate. Was the team there perfect? No, people aren't perfect. Could things be second-guessed? I guess they sure could. But I know that uh, the people there are good-hearted, trying to do the right thing. They did good work in very difficult circumstances. And for sure, there's no evidence whatsoever of criminal wrongdoing like Lisa Madigan and Mr. Pritzker are trying to allege. Um, I want to move to another hot-button issue because we have had no shortage of (laughs) hot buttons in this campaign. Um, But this one deals with immigration. Yes. Uh, This 
I guess, started at the uh, Sun-Times edit board uh, meeting, but you said illegal immigration is one of the factors behind increased gun violence in Chicago and elsewhere. <laughs> Given the political atmospheres here and in Washington, I suppose you can't be surprised that some people took offense at, uh, at that remark and feel you're disparaging some peaceful, hardworking people. Yes, and again, my words are... Um, taken out of context, and let me be very clear, Craig, what I said and what I meant, so there's no question. I am very pro-legal immigration. I'm very pro-comprehensive immigration reform. I'm opposed to illegal immigration, and I've said that for six years and longer. Um, I signed a a bill called the Trust Act at the urging of uh, law enforcement because basically that law was a simple two-page bill Um, that um, codified what federal judges said our local law enforcement needs to do when interacting with undocumented immigrants. Simple, straightforward. Um, That bill sometimes gets uh, uh, stated that that made Illinois a sanctuary state where we, you know, protect illegal immigrants that they can't be um, arrested or deported, et cetera. And that that bill in no way, in no way made us a sanctuary state. Um, However, um, the issue that... um, has come up here recently in my comments when I talked about um, violence. I, I did not say that immigrants are violent or immigrants cause violence, whether they're documented or undocumented. I've seen no evidence ever that somehow immigrants in, of any background somehow commit more violence than, than American citizens do. I've never said that, and I don't believe that's the case. What I said was um, unemployment unemployment is a driver of violence, and it is. I think there's broad consensus on that. Lack of economic opportunity in so many neighborhoods leads people to join gangs and commit violence to try to get income for themselves, which is pretty understandable. And I've also said, and this is also true, illegal immigration, especially large-scale illegal immigration, takes jobs away from Americans that American citizens could otherwise have, and it tends to hold down wages for American citizens. It's a supply and demand issue. If there are hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants who come into a location like Chicago, those jobs get taken away from um, uh, Chicago citizens, Chicago residents that they could have had. And the wages get held down by the massive influx of oversupply of, of workers, of labor. And my point was not that immigrants commit violence, but Im- illegal, illegal immigrants take away American jobs, hold down wages, that takes away economic opportunity for citizens, and that can lead to more violence uh, due to unemployment and lack of high enough family incomes. Uh, some of the uh, people who've, who've criticized your your words or what they've heard about your words, um, like immigrant rights activists, uh, suggest that you're starting to sound like President Trump on this issue. Well, again, it's politicization. I support I support legal immigration. And uh, I support comprehensive immigration reform. I've said this for six years, and uh, my words are my own. I, uh, I believe that we should have uh, immigration reform that supports legal immigration, expands it, simplifies it, supports it. I, I'd like to see more legal immigration to the United States, especially with folks who have skills that we need to grow our economy. I've never supported illegal immigration. We have Im- illegal we have immigration laws for a reason. Uh, I believe that we should enforce them, uh, do it in a fair and equitable way, but um, that we, uh, illegal immigration, it's not debatable. Um, Illegal immigration takes away jobs from Americans, hurts union workers, 
hurts factory workers, hurts farm workers, and holds down wages. That's one of the reasons we have uh, immigration laws. Uh, but what do we do with those who are who are undocumented who are still here? Great question, Craig. I have said that there could be could be a pathway to citizenship for many of those if they met certain requirements and did certain things. Um, but as part of that, we have to take the steps to end illegal immigration. And that action is what's the necessary part of uh, immigration reform that we've never really implemented. Um, I, you know, we could, people could debate the wall or other ideas. I don't get into all that. I've, I, I personally believe the best way, the most effective way to end illegal immigration is a very simple, straightforward thing, and that is to use E-Verify. E-Verify is a digital database to show who's an American citizen and who's not that employers can access with the federal government. And if we did use E-Verify and then increase the um, penalties for employers who break the law and hire illegals rather than uh, illegal immigrants, rather than American citizens, I believe we would end much of the illegal immigration problem. Wages would rise. Um, um, union jobs would come back stronger and more jobs overall. So that's what I recommend. And frankly, I believe if Congress passed E-Verify and uh, for the entire country mandated it, we would very quickly um, stop the flow of illegal immigration. And then if we created a pathway for those who are already here, um, we, I think that's a compromise that everyone on both sides of the issue could agree on. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner. I want to turn uh, just for a moment to to violence. We we have established, and and I don't think there's a lot of disagreement that joblessness is certainly one factor in driving violent crime. Uh, getting more businesses and jobs into struggling neighborhoods is yep. one of one of the solutions. But does more need to be done to keep guns off the streets? Um, the answer, uh, Craig, is yes. Um, certainly um, guns are a contributor to the violence, and we have a flow of illegal guns from out of state um, into Chicago. And this is true. This has been well documented. Um, I advocated for and signed a bill to crack down on illegal um, gun sales and gun trafficking across state lines here in the state of Illinois, and, and that was a good bill. I also um, um, am, am a supporter of um, certain other types of regulations that can increase public safety while still respecting the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. I personally believe in the Second Amendment. I believe we should protect it. But there are things we can do uh, to increase public safety around guns. For example, I um, signed a bill to uh, expand the waiting period for gun purchases to 72 hours. So, so that we can do more thorough background checks, so there can be a cooling off period. So if somebody is suicidal or, or um, in an ill state of mind, they can calm down and cool off before they go purchase a gun. Um, that's good policy and has been supported on both sides of the aisle. Um, I also supported what's uh, now called the red flag bill. Basically, now in Illinois, we're a national leader now. Um, in Illinois, if someone is adjudicated, if they've evaluated and with a judicial process that's quick and efficient, adjudicated to be mentally ill or um, a danger to themselves or others, their guns can be removed, taken away from them by law enforcement and kept in a safe place while the person is, is treated and dealt with. That's a good bill. It respects the Second Amendment and in- increases public safety. I've also proposed four other bills that have not yet been enacted on by the General Assembly, but that could increase public safety while respecting the Second Amendment. I recommended a bill to ban uh, bump stocks and trigger cranks. 
that basically make machine guns out of uh, regular guns. I said we should ban that. That has not been voted on yet. Uh, Speaker Madigan did not take it up. He should have, but that was one. Uh, Another is I believe we should create a funding source from existing sources, no new taxes, but existing sources, to fund resource officers, in effect, police officers or, or highly skilled, highly trained security professionals to work in a school if if a school chooses that. If they don't want it, fine. But if they would like one, we should make it available. Just like, um, actually, there was a hero, a police officer who worked in Dixon High School, saved lives by um, um, preventing a shooter who came into the school, into a high school, from, do, from killing teachers or students. That should be made available to any school that would like it. I've recommended that. Speaker Madigan hasn't taken that up yet either. Um, I've also proposed a bill to have truth in sentencing. We in Illinois are worse than many other states in how our prosecutors cut deals with judges and offenders in court, and often violent offenders are enabled to get very short sentences or let out early, and I want to end that. I believe violent people, people who commit gun crimes, shouldn't be let out early and shouldn't shouldn't be given very short sentences. They should be... um, uh, treated in the way that's appropriate for their crime and to reduce violence we need to keep dangerous violent people off the streets within um, the, the um, parameters of law and then the final point um, I'll, I'll mention and this is a more controversial Craig I admit but I believe that we could have more determin- deterrence plus more justice if we brought back the death penalty for anyone who's guilty beyond any doubt and there's clearly cases where someone is guilty beyond any doubt whatsoever, not even this sh- a shred of a doubt, guilty beyond any doubt of committing a mass murder or, or, or killing a police officer. I think that's justice. I also think it can be a deterrent um, both um, it, out in the streets but also um, in prisons where often violent behavior is, is an issue on an ongoing basis. Guilty beyond any doubt. Um, I believe uh, it could be appropriate to bring back the death penalty. And you're not discouraged by the state's history of convicting people beyond a reasonable doubt and having it turned out that they didn't commit the crimes they were accused of? Yes, no, that's why uh, I'm troubled by that, and that's why the standard has to be incredibly rigorous. It has to be no doubt whatsoever. It couldn't be oh mistaken identity. It couldn't be false DNA. I mean, there's there there there's certain crimes, and I admit they're they're a, a, a fraction of of crimes. Most crimes are guilt or innocence by a reasonable doubt. But where there's you know no question that the person committed the crime, in those cases, the possibility of the death penalty I think might be appropriate. And 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 to be to be a deterrent. I mean, the the appeals process for death penalty <clears throat> cases is so long, sometimes these people live years on, on death row. That's, that's the only reason why some of them are alive, well, is because of how long the appeal process Well, is. and that's in large part because of the beyond a reasonable doubt standard as opposed to the no doubt standard. I believe if they should only be there in cases where there's absolutely no question, then, um, then it would be different. Um, you focused on House Speaker Michael Madigan uh, a lot in uh, mm-hmm. out 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 on the field, but let's talk a little bit about him here and how he's thwarted your efforts on reform, as you have said. Um, are term limits and redistricting the only way that government can be changed? <laughs> well, Craig, I think those are two of the best ways. And what's uh, what's exciting to me is that. These are bipartisan reforms. Democratic voters and Republican voters both overwhelmingly support term limits and fair maps redistricting reform. 
Um, I've been an advocate for both of those changes my entire life. And it's very exciting that Democrats in other states, for example, California, have put in term limits. They've put in fair maps. Um, I helped lead the effort, uh, Craig, in Illinois uh, to get term limits on the ballot. I, we All of us worked together to get 600,000 signatures five years ago to put, it, uh, put term limits on the ballot so we could have those voted up or down by Illinois voters and change our Constitution. We also got half a million signatures. I didn't lead that effort, but I was part of it. Uh, to get fair maps, redistricting reform that's done on a nonpartisan basis so we can have competitive gen- uh, general elections and no more gerrymandered districts to lock in incumbents. That's That causes corruption and too much power. Um, and Democrats and Republicans support that. In both cases, Speaker Madigan sued us, uh, his uh, lawyer, uh, uh, Mike Casper, in state court, and they beat us. And the, the justices ruled, you, even though he got the signatures, those can't go on the ballot. And the only way that um, those those issues can be taken up and put on the ballot is if the General Assembly, i.e. Mr. Madigan, votes to put those on the ballot. So what I've recommended we do, this is a, this is a violation of the people's trust, in my opinion. What I've recommended we do is ask every candidate for the General Assembly, will you promise to put term limits on the ballot and redistricting reform on the ballot so we, the people, can vote that up or down? I think that's a key question that the voters, your listeners, can ask the candidates for the General Assembly. We only have a few minutes left, but uh, we've got to deal with the uh, the elephant in the room as far as the speaker is concerned. He's not going anywhere. That's probably right. Uh, what will make a second term, if you get one, more successful than the first? That's a very good question. So I believe he's not going anywhere, at least not for a while. But the good news is he's weaker now today than at any point in his career. For the first time, many members of his caucus are talking about term limits. You did not hear that five or ten years ago. And for the first time, especially women are standing up against him. Because frankly, Mr. Madigan has been called out and caught. He's been condoning, tolerating, and in effect hiding sexual harassment within the Democratic Party senior uh, uh, officers and within the General Assembly. It's wrong. Frankly, I believe he should have been removed over it. But he's he's now being challenged, and his... His authority now is is uh, much more in question than ever before. So that's a helpful fact. And I've also gotten to know many of the General Assembly members in the Democratic Caucus quite well personally. They know that much of what I'm fighting for um, is reasonable and they agree with. We do need pension reform. We de- do need workers' comp reform. We should do term limits. Um, we, we do have discrimination in, in many of our state contracts that, that I'm fighting to fix. So I'm getting more and more support, and um, I believe in my second term we can get many important changes done. And the proof of that is to just to see how well we've done just in the last year and 18 months. The first year or two, Speaker Madigan blocked budgets, blocked reforms 100%, um, and we had uh, deficit spending, and, and he refused to pass any budget. In the last 18 months, we got pension reform for a half a billion dollars. Um, we got criminal justice reform. Um, we got a half a billion dollars to fund the U of I to expand into Chicago and other communities uh, and Champaign and other communities. Uh, we got a balanced budget on time. Um, we, we, got, we, we were able to cut the fee. It took three years, but we were able to cut the fees for uh, small business owners uh, to start a new company. The LLC f- fees got reduced. Um, we got an adoption tax credit so that we could cut income taxes for families who adopt. Uh, we got a property tax reduction for disabled veterans. We got many of the reforms I've been advocating for years. We got them done in the last year or so, and that's progress. And I like to build on that progress for my second term to get even more things done. 
but very quickly they some in some cases and in fact that first budget that was passed was done over your objection uh that they say you're still not willing to compromise oh boy i've compromised a tremendous amount and uh craig i signed this most recent budget the budget before that at, with the tax, I vetoed the tax hike, and I did veto the, the budget before that went with the tax hike because it still had a $2.5 billion deficit in it. The one thing, Craig, that we have to change in Illinois is the deficit spending. It's crushing our families. It's causing our taxes to go through the roof. It's pushing our uh, job creators, our small businesses, out of state. And now the good news is, Craig, we should not have to have any more impasses because we finally got to a, a, a manageable, tr- a balanced budget. Now the, in, the changes can be incremental, and now we can uh, make progress in steps rather than trying to do too much too quickly. Governor, thank you. That is Governor Bruce Rauner. Thanks for spending the half hour with us. And uh, to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Thanks so much, Craig. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.